Welcome back, everyone, to Stay in Your Lane. Uh, we're going to continue today with uh, our two representatives that have been kind enough to join us, Paul Ruiz and uh, Jacqueline Gelb from the American Trucking Association. Now, last we spoke, guys, uh, you know, we, we learned that we have seen a semi today is now 60 times cleaner burning diesel than in the 80s. So I'm an 80s kid. You know, 70s and 80s, I grew up, right? Uh, I remember watching every every school bus or truck take off and a huge plume of black smoke went flying, right? And that was just what happened every time, you you know, that, that they took off. But you would smell it and you didn't, you didn't think anything of it because you were a kid. But now you're 60 times more efficient on diesel. You, you've made a huge impact. The, the industry has made huge gains from an environmental perspective. Well, yeah. And Paul? interesting you bring up the, the school bus example. Um, you know, my, uh, my mom, my stepdad, my grandma, uh, and my dad, uh, all are CDL drivers. My mom was a school bus driver. My grandma drove me to school on a school bus. I remember, uh, you know, growing up and smelling that, that, that diesel, um, you know, early in the morning, five o'clock when we would do the walk around the bus and, uh, and then we, you know, would go out and pick up kids and you're right. It, it didn't, it didn't phase anybody. Um, but as time has gone on, I, I, I think what has happened since, you know, especially, you know, beginning of phase one, going into phase two and EPA's regulations, the technology and sort of the environmental imperative has changed. The conversation in the environmental community changed. Um, and really the focus on climate change um, and our industry's contribution to emissions um, has really become a focus of a lot of Washington um, and reducing sort of our contribution to that pie wedge. Uh, Jack, I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm stating this, this correctly, but I, I believe that our industry contributes to 24% of the CO2 emissions profile uh, nationally. Jack, is that right? That's correct. Yeah. And in order to reduce that, EPA now is really looking at three pillars uh, as it's kind of evaluating the landscape and saying, well, why is it that, uh, you know, these diesel technologies, um, that are cleaner, significantly cleaner than they were in the 1980s. Why is it that we need to now move to ZEVs? Um, I realize this is a question that a lot of drivers are asking too, because they they know that these technologies are, that, they, that diesel technology is cleaner. EPA is looking at the landscape and saying, okay, in the market, um, there has been a shift on the OEM perspective, uh, increasing uh, research and development, more in electrified powertrains. Um, they are looking at sort of the incentive structure, um, the bipartisan infrastructure law, and the Infra Inflation Reduction Act were passed. Um, and they see the incentives um, for electric, uh, commercial heavy duty electric vehicles in that, um, especially the $40,000 uh, purchase incentive. And then they're looking at this set of state requirements, uh, you know, what has happened in California and, and spread to other states. And they're saying, well, wow, there are, there are these purchase mandates uh, to aggressively adopt um, heavy duty electric vehicles. Well, um, no, let me interrupt you if you don't mind here. Yeah. If it mathematically made sense, would it need the $40,000 incentives and would people need to mandate it? 
Uh, right now, a uh, electric truck uh, sells at a premium to a diesel truck. It's about three to four times more expensive. Right. Um, and so the market is simply not primed for electric vehicles today. Um, but that's the reason for the incentive, that the, the incentives exist in order to um, more aggressively scale the production and, um, and, and boost the sales of electric vehicles. Okay. But back to the, the, the question, if it were more efficient, the ROI would be there, right? Then they would, they would sell without us or the government incentivizing the manufacturers to push that, correct? In theory, yes. They're wanting to accelerate the market faster than how traditionally of our industry of how we have liked to adopt technology of adopting a one and a two truck and testing it, then maybe expanding a little bit more into your fleet of you're willing to adopt, you know, 10 to 50 trucks, seeing how that works before you kind of turn over your entire fleet to a new technology. You know, we can look at previous regulations. It's a, it's a very specific way of how trucking looks, improves the te technology. It's also very prescriptive of how the truck OEMs prove their technology before they even put it in customers' hands. There's a whole system here of how that is rolled out you've got to build into your timeline. Where EPA and where California are coming from is that they want to accelerate that. And how they are doing this from the incentive side is, you know, from they are trying to bring down the cost of an electric truck from early, for early adopters to start creating a market for those trucks. While at the same time, they are continuing to write regulations that will be stringent and will have costs associated with them for a diesel truck, which then will elevate the price of a diesel truck. And so they are trying to play with those mechanisms to try to get cost parity closer to each other at a faster time, which would drive adoption. And an important point um, on that is ATA's perspective on this. We see the timelines advanced by California, by which they see electrification as being practical in these segments as being significantly too aggressive for where the technology is today. Um, the purchase requirements, you look at the grid, you look at supply chain, uh, a number of economic and business use case scenarios, it would take a lot of investment. Um, especially in infrastructure, in order to make those timelines achievable and realistic. And we are about achievable and realistic regulations. Um, you know, our CEO has gone up on Capitol Hill. He said, we started, yes. And we, we do start at yes, but we want emissions policies and in a framework um, that are achievable and are going to work for our industry. Well, I think we all agree on that. I think that that's that's got to happen. So with 90% of the industry being one to five trucks, how do, how do these options really apply to the, to the, the majority, the 90 percenters? Listen, it's going to be tough. These are costly, costly trucks today. You know, to Paul's point, they're three times more expensive than what, on average, of what a diesel truck is. Right. So $40,000 is not 
going to make you go get one today. $40,000 today will cover probably your federal excise tax of what you're going to pay on the purchase right. of a new electric truck. Right. In the grand scheme of things of how our industry looks at technology and the purchasing decision, you know, how you make that decision to purchase, is it going to convince them to move the needle? Likely not. The most important thing you're going to need is first, is infrastructure going to be there? Is there going to be a place where they can charge, charge these trucks? Paul hears me say this all the time around ATA is that no one's going to go and buy an electric truck. It's going to be a very expensive lawn ornament if there's not a place to get to go and charge, <laughs> charge that truck. Well, I and think the carts, the carts way out before the horse right now. Yeah. And so, you know, there are, you know, we talk in ATA, and this is what our CEO, Chris Spear, has said up on Capitol Hill, Andrew Boyle, who is our um, vice chairman who went to Capitol Hill as well to give the same message, is that we're a diverse industry. There are going to be places where this makes perfect sense. Right. We are, going, we are in this space now of where we are building it as we are driving the trucks. And so where is it that we can put the infrastructure in place, like a depot charger, for small routes, for dedicated routes that are very predictable, mega charging on freight corridors, or refueling stations if we move to hydrogen fuel cell, or does it make more sense to leverage what we have now of renewable diesel? You know, I mean, there are opportunities here to where, you know, we're trying to have that conversation and what we're bringing to light here is that there's a sequence here. There's a right way of how to stage this. There's a lot, the federal government has made a lot of money available here of what this is the direction where this administration wants to head. First, it's making sure you don't forget about trucking and that table as you are thinking about funding solutions on charging infrastructure. Let's design it once. Let's future proof it. We're going to be at times electrifying beside light duty industry. But where a charging station needs to go for a truck is much different than where it needs to go for a passenger vehicle. Uh, agreed. You can't take and, uh, a truck to the library to go and charge. There <laughs> won't be enough power there. We won't fit, right? So you need to put it where trucks hang out today. We know exactly where trucks hang out today. Well, and, and I think there are segments that it will work in exactly. at some levels, Yep. right? Um, my question is, we seem to have, uh, you know, I've, I've been watching... Buses, uh, city buses, school buses running on natural gas for years. Seems like we have a, an abundance of natural gas in our country. Is, is that a more realistic option from a retrofit to the 90 percenters? You hear all these different stories on where's our electric coming from now to, to feed the number of electric vehicles in the, in the push. Um, you know, is the coal industry now being utilized to try and, and help generate power. How do we navigate that from a realistic approach with many people? Because again, I think it's an emotional thing for a lot of people. 
the more favorite powertrains. Frankly, you know, electric, as you noted, the, the conversation has changed. Um, it's no longer the case in, in some circles that low emission is acceptable. The conversation now is really zero emission. Um, right. And I think that where Jacqueline and I sit, um, there's this transition happening. We need to recognize that there's a transition and we need some interim solutions in, in, in the meantime, because as, as you bridge know, the gap. The, as you know, John, it, it, the sequencing of this is very important um, in order to tackle the sort of the easier use cases that are maybe better suited for electrification. And then we'll fill in with some of these other solutions and tackle the harder ones at a later point. Um, that's sort of in line with how our industry has always sort of operated. It's an engineering challenge. It's a cost challenge. Um, it's one that we have to invest resources and in thinking into improve. Um, our industry has a history of proving the use case over a million miles a lot, in a lot of cases, you know, uh, and we also need to work up the workforce and the training and the experience to be able to meet that challenge. We're going to have to retrain a generation of mechanics, not, and, excuse me, uh, of diesel technicians um, to become familiar with the new powertrains, not just electric, but um, the broader suite of options that are becoming affordable and available in our industry. I've asked a gentleman from uh, Kenworth uh, to come on and speak with us in the future. Uh, they have a new hybrid, um, T680. Are you guys familiar with that? Yes. Um, and, and I'm interested to understand, it uh, looks like it's hydrogen and electric at some level. And, uh, you know, I want to understand, has the, where's the technology with that? Where does that unit really fit? Where's the sweet spot? You know, where, where do they go from here? Uh, and I'd love to speak with you guys again in the future as we, as we get into it. Absolutely. Yeah, John, this has really been great. Thank you for having us. Oh, no, thank you. I, we're, I'm learning. I, I'm, 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 I'm really shocked at how much you guys are actually working on, on all sides of this. Uh, between everyone. You guys are in the middle. You're in a tough spot. And we want to hear from fleets about whether they can and what the challenges are. We're openly and actively listening and uh, we're looking for any and all feedback. Good uh, luck, Paul. That's exactly what we need to hear. Thank you, John. Thanks for thank inviting you both. Appreciate you.